and welcome to French Football Weekly podcast. We are the podcast who, if other players' hamstrings continue to go, are ready and willing, Didier. If you need us, we're there. More on that later. My name is Chris. I am your host for this week's show. Uh, one day later than usual. Uh, so thank you for bearing with us. Uh, delighted to say we have Phil back with us this week. Uh, Phil, um, tough week, but you're coming out the other side. And how are you doing today? Uh, well, I also watched Montpellier-Lyon on the weekend. So <laughs> redacted. Fortunately, that is a sticking plaster we're going to have to rip off again in a minute. But luckily, it's more Leon, so we might be able to just scurry some under the carpet for you. So look forward to that. And uh, also joining us, as usual, is Jez Smith. Jez, how are you doing? Thanks, because I did not watch Le Havre against Mets last night. <laughs> Do you have Do you know- a name for the cat yet? Um, for the moment, we're going with Lulu. Ah. Which, by the way, also seems to be my baby's first word. So I think we've got to stick with that now. Uh, cool. And have you managed to have a word with the cat about supporting laws? Or is that a done <laughs> deal now? Because uh, I did notice that tweet. Um, I am also adopting a cat, you'll be happy to know. So um, oh. we're having cats all over the place. So welcome to Cat for I, the Weekly. I just had, um, it was Harry the Cat's first anniversary of his oh. adoption here. <gasps> He has got much more feisty over that time. I have bite marks. Bless him. Lots well, of scratch marks at the moment. Well, I, <laughs> I can confirm that the cat that I'm getting, his name is also being changed to something French orientated, but I'll save that for another day. Um, I'm, anyway. I'm available for all your awful pun needs. Splendid. Perfect. <laughs> Let's move on quickly. Join um, us <laughs> again for more feline tales. Uh, but of course, we are here to talk about French football. So that is exactly what we are going to do. Um, do we have to? Can um, we just talk about cats for an hour? I'm afraid not. We're going to have to rip that sticking plaster. But um, okay. I'll, tell you what, I'll tell you what I'll do, Phil. I'll, I'll start with you. Um, because we are going to talk a little bit of Leon. So it's going to be mainly Leon focused, but by all means, um, talk us through what you saw on on the uh, the Sunday game between Leon and Montpellier, because it was it was one of those games that I, sorry, Saturday game, I've, I've gone on a day there. It's one of those games that I sort of felt like it could have gone either way um, mm. at 1-1. I, th- I think 1-1 probably would have been a fair scoreline overall. We Thank saw, you. I, yeah, I genuinely did. And, and we saw... What could be a goal of the season contender from Eli Wahi with a ridiculous oh. overhead scissor kick oh. um, to equalise oh. Hussein Mawal's goal? But then it for me, it, the game changed on the two red cards. Mavadidi was, I thought, harshly sent off. Um, Diamande probably rightly sent off, but been in the same incident. And then Alexandre Lacazette nipped in in the 93rd mm. minute to uh, take away any joy that you would have had. But Thoughts on Montpellier? Obviously, we didn't have you on here last week, so part of companies with their their manager. Um, no, no sort of sign of what's coming next at the moment. So, what was your overall impressions, and indeed of Leon that in that particular game as well? I think um, I mean you mentioned in the menu is Blanc doing a good job at Leon. It's like that was his first game against a team who have an absolutely shocking record at the moment. So. No, we can't tell. And 
you're correct about why his bicycle kick to level things at 70 minutes after our got the first goal um, uh, just after the half hour. I think that there were two key moments in this game. The first was Omlin going off injured uh, for Montpellier and being replaced by Bingora Camera, who was excellent. I think it has to be said. Um, but then there was that weird double sending off. So as far as I can tell, Diamande fouled Mavadidi, clear foul. Uh, he then body checked Diamande. He got booked. Then there was a small fight in which I thought it was Wahi who got Diamande by the neck, but maybe it was Mavadidi because both Diamande and Mavadidi got sent off. Neither manager seems to understand what the hell happened. Many uh, people watching didn't understand what the hell happened. It felt a bit like the referee went, fuck, just whatever, both of you go and then you're both even because I can't work out what the hell happened. Mm. So it wasn't a particularly edifying kind of end to the match, but Lacazette scoring on the 90th minute, you as soon as the Canal Plus uh, person commentating said, well, this will be Montpellier's first draw of the season. I knew, I knew Jeez. it was going to go um, tits up. And mm. looking back at it afterwards, um, yeah, Owell had way more shots, way more shots on target. Who scored um, kind of roundup of this game had Montpellier as, quote, team has no significant strength, end quote. I'm like, yeah, okay, mm. yeah, that's actually reason. Yeah. And so it was horrendously frustrating to watch. Um, and there's very little, but I think there's very little that Owell can take from this either, mm. because it's just not a kind of competitive game good barometer to work from one yeah. game against a team that's in free fall Roman Pito now in the interim managerial spot so we might expect more red cards from Montpellier over the next couple of weeks if Pito's uh, playing career was anything to go by um, yeah just not not good no, not, he's not good. Pito has stepped up, I believe, from the under-19s, I think he was coaching. Yeah. He certainly was a while, a while back. So he's he's in, in interim temporary charge before whomever may or may not come in. I, I get the impression this might this be a post. Trust. Well, yeah, maybe, maybe. Or, you know, could be somebody. I mean, even... Jacob Reese mogg appears to have gone today. Um... They're all available. Yeah. <laughs> could be one of us if, if the sackings continue. But uh, I do suspect that some clubs might wait to the World Cup situation now with only, what, three weeks left, but we shall see. Um, as for Lyon, Jez, um, what, do, you, do, you, do you agree or, or do you disagree? Because I, I sort of see 
where Phil's coming from in terms of that, you know, it's that kicking the the blind man's stick away from him. You know, it, beating a, a club that are really out of form in Montpellier and struggling, you you could argue on one side is well they should be, but I sort of got the just the feel I got from when you get a last minute winner. It's that it's that magical M word. It's that momentum, isn't it? It's that belief that Leon have have drafted back a a player in and Husamoal who clearly has something to prove and score on the day. You've got a player like Lacazette who you know will will get you goals in in Liga, has proven previously. There's the new coach bounce. It just felt like that you got that impression from the celebrations at the end with a last minute winner that it just might be a sort of game that might give Leon that springboard. Were you impressed with what you saw from them in this game, or do you sort of sit where Phil sits and say, well, they didn't really beat much on the day? It's a little bit of both. I mean, yeah, yeah, they're not the Montpellier in their current situation, by the way, with a with a defender called Chateau, if we're, if we're continuing with the cat puns. But, um, in their current situation, they're not, not great shakes. But then, you know, on the other side, as, as we said before, the last run of matches that Lyon have had have been tough on paper. So just as you know, if we're willing to sort of not overlook, but be a little bit sympathetic to, to them for some of those defeats at the same time, had they not come away from this one with a win, then, you know, the the pylon would be even worse. That would have been seven matches without a win. And even though it was away from home, incapable of beating a Montpellier team who are not in a great state at the moment. So I suppose all they could have done really was beat what was in front of them. And they only just managed that on... in you know, on paper with a with a very late winner. But I think what we saw in terms of um, performance and also I think spirit, importantly, was positive and ho- hopefully bodes well for them for at least the next few weeks until, yeah, that new manager bounce or the honeymoon period or Awa goes back to his crappy attitude. Um, you know, until, until those things happen, then they, they need to sort of ride, ride on that wave, I guess. But I think, you know, bringing Awa back, I think has been a strong decision and will at least, as I said, for a little while, probably get the best out of him as he's got something to prove. Um, he's changed the formation to a back three. Remains to be seen whether bringing Boateng back is, is positive or not, but at least it moved Mendes back into a, a sort of more familiar position for him I think importantly Dembele and Lacazette playing up front together if you give them a chance to form an understanding I think that that could be a really good move I think um sort of remembering how good Lacazette was work was when he was when he played in a two with Fekir I know that yeah um it's slightly different in that probably Fekir was the slightly deeper player and here probably Lacazette would be um, still, I think Lacazette has shown that he's, he's, you know, still a very, very good player in the front two. And, and it's interesting that sort of after the match, he and Blanc were talking about how Blanc kind of ordered Lacazette to stay in the box, which, you know, arguably he hasn't scored as many goals. You'll have more idea from the Arsenal point of view, but he hasn't mm. scored as many goals as he could have done because he's, I think, a very hard worker and he's willing to drop back and, do defensive jobs and pull wide to bring players, you know, defenders away to leave space for others. And maybe he's a little bit too altruistic at times. And and he proved in this match, I think he had 16 touches in the box and obviously set up one goal, scored the other, that 
if he does stay in the box, then he's a very, very effective striker. So I think that they're sort of stumbling across some some real positives. Um, and yeah, all the, uh, as you said, sort of momentum or, you know, kind of important moments in a season, you know, a couple of minutes away from, from leaving with a, with a disappointing draw and turning that into a, a, a win can be a real sort of morale booster for them. And it's up to them now to sort of use that and, and kind of bounce off it with, with a bit of a positive run, you know, at least until the World Cup when Blanc then will have a little bit more time and chance to, to get some of his methods across, maybe delve into the market, although I think the, the purchase still hasn't gone through and it's been delayed a little bit more. So there's still a bit of uncertainty off the pitch as well but at least this is you know the first real piece of positivity from Lyon for well their last one was the 3rd of September which gives you an idea of of how long it's been yeah absolutely and um yeah their next three fixtures before the World Cup uh, home to Lille who will come on to in a second away at Marseille and home to Nice Uh, on paper three fairly tough fixtures although Nice not having the best of times I think it'd be fair to say but, um, and as you said, your point on Lacazette, like, exactly the same at, at Arsenal. It's one of those things that always made me a little bit sad because um, he got a bit of a raw deal in his final final season with us in the, you know, always goal output, et cetera. But he worked incredibly hard um, and injured often for long periods or, you know, not his, his fittest. And uh, I always thought if you just feed him in the box, he is the guy who will get you the goals. And so that proved on Saturday. Speaking of goals, I'll um, start with you on this one as well, Jez, if I may. Lille and Monaco. First thing to say is what a game of football this was. Sunday night, um, I was always going to watch it, as I generally do, because I I sort of try and watch as many games as I can at the weekend. But I I didn't expect this, if I'm completely honest. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I thought it would be a decent watch. But this was just, I mean, it it was 4-3, I should say, to Lille. Um, There were mistakes. There were bookings there were moments of brilliance there was an atmosphere um a friend of the show Adam Virgo actually was there he said it was an you know incredible atmosphere in terms of uh, sort of getting behind the home side the question I'll put to you first of all though Jez is putting aside how good the game was are they all going a little bit under the radar and maybe the job that that Fonseca has done there going under the radar it's four wins in five now they're they're up to sixth place um if you sort of take out the psg juggernaut as we generally tend to do it's five points off second they they're they're entertaining as well as there's there's almost a bit of ren about them now isn't there there's a bit of flair coming back and maybe they are sort of proving that the right coach right scenario they actually can push up the league again as they did a couple of seasons back when they won the 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 the, uh, the trophy itself have you been quite impressed with them do you feel like they're going a little bit under the radar um, a little bit. I think, you know, the problem with Lille, as you said before, is that is sort of how much they, they keep having to change their team from one year to the next because they've very much got this this sort of selling model and, and it must be really frustrating that they get that they don't have any kind of consistency from one season to the next. And there's always that adjustment period. But I think they've they've sort of this new team has sort of acclimatized relatively quickly i think there's there's a little bit of depth there as well you know and you consider how well bio did last year and he's not really getting much of a look in at the moment mm-hmm. 
Ismaili, I think, has arguably been one of the, for me, one of the signings of the season so far. Yeah, um, Chevalier and Jallo both had mares. Moments. Um, yeah. But <laughs> Do I you think wanna... they've both been, you know, Chevalier in the last match probably won. Forget who it was against now. Lance, I think. Lance, um, yeah, yeah. Probably, you know, was arguably man of the match and, and won the points. So, you know, you win some, you lose some. Jalo, I think, has been a decent defender generally this this season as well. And then at the front, you've got David, not David, I never know which one, who um he was brilliant. Didn't well. score this week, but mm. has been so consistent for them, all right. A lot of penalties as well, but um, you know, very reliable goal scorer who, for me, is still not an out and out number nine, which I think makes a little bit like what we were saying about Lacazette, actually, which makes it all the more impressive. And then you've got players like Bamba and Cabela, Unas, who are very mercurial, but when it clicks, as it did on Sunday night, can be fantastic. And, and you know, Monaco were very effective going forward and a couple of good performances, but generally, their, and their defence was bad. I mean, there were no massive rickets like the two little ones, but still, I thought their their defence was pretty porous. But I I think you've got to give Lille credit for how good and exciting and quick and imaginative they were going forward. They could have scored a lot more. And when Monaco at one point were three two up, I for me that would it had it stayed that way it would have been absolute daylight robbery. Yeah, 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 yeah. and. I just want to mention, obviously, as well as Team Jonathan, Bamba and David, um, Vermi Cabela, obviously a big favourite of mine and of FFW in general. Great celebration. Uh, look at, looking at the um, L'Equipe, who was the top of this game, 27,000 votes 81% for long cap. Mm. So, yes, he got a double, but it was very important, the role he played throughout and just pissed off he left, basically, again, um, to, to make that. I but, believe um, he's 32. Yeah, it doesn't look it, does it? he's always looked 12 and exactly. he always will um, mm. but yeah when you've got the team Jonathan behind him um, as the next players that is a very good look for Leo mm. Captain I, I am now kicking myself I was watching a film <laughs> yes yeah you should, you... this because I was like yeah whatever it uh, is one of those it's going to be it's one of those because I missed the day before I, I I got a bit of an affiliation for Inter Milan in, in Serie A and I missed their game the day before they beat Fiorentina 4-3. So I'm very glad I at least got you one of the two. School? Uh, no, that's the other Milan. That's AC. Oh. Yeah. Same same city, different team. You'll get, Christ, you'll get them very upset. Bye. But um, yeah, it, it's, uh, it, it was a really good game to watch. Um, Captain Bamba with the winner. Um, that's, that's four goals in 12 games for him and it signs that his best form is, is creeping back in as well Cabela was was excellent the, I thought delivery from Unas for the opening goal from um, Alexandra was absolutely brilliant yeah. but uh, that cross in 
And I'm a big fan of the solicitors' partnership in midfield, Gomez and Gomez. Um, they're, they're for all your lawyer needs, if you need them, Andre and uh, and Angel. Yeah, you just couldn't make it out, could you, having those two in midfield together? And I just take issue with, I mean, unless you yeah. know what the meaning is behind it, I I actually don't like Cabela's celebration. But not only do I not like it, I think he, I'm not a fan of players not celebrating with the other player who just laid it on an absolute plate for you. Mm. He went and celebrated by himself for both goals. And... Yeah, I did notice that because it was all Jonathan David's goal uh, effort to for the for the um, equalising goal, wasn't it? The first of, of Cabela's. It was all about Jonathan David's sort of ability to break the line and get in behind and and finish. And it just clipped off the post and Cabela literally knocked it in from a yard. Um, yeah, I, I, I must admit, I don't know the reason behind the celebration. Those who haven't seen it, he basically... Um, pulls up the sleeves of his of his top and flexes essentially it's it, I, I sort of took it as a bit of a Ronaldo piss take which is why I quite like it um, but I don't know if that is actually the case or not so um, but yeah I, I do know what you mean I, th- I think I, I, I am a I'm a bit more of a fan of going to the man who makes the goal in those sort of circumstances I agree but there were a couple of clangers in this one uh, as you mentioned there both of you mentioned the the Chevalier goal uh, or own goal as it was, 20-year-old goalkeeper who's come in. He's been very good, to be fair, and he actually made a couple of very good saves after the mistake, but he won't want to see the Co-Enrique goal go through his hands anytime soon or through his legs. Ooh, and the um, Yeah, that was... It wasn't the best, was it? I, I actually thought Thiago Jalas was worse because he just dwelt on the ball and then Ben Yedda, you just can't do that around Ben Yedda, who nipped it off him and, and finished very well, actually, and Speaking of finishing, that Disarcy finish from the Benyeda sort of pullback was equally brilliant as well for a for a centre back. But um, very very good entertaining game and fun fact that uh, I think I read this on Twitter somewhere. It's the first time that that Lille have made two errors that led to goals in one game since two thousand and thirteen. There's a stat for anyone who's uh, into that sort of thing. Anywho, but, um, on, neither of them had the greatest game. I have to say, like, as much a fan as I am of Badiashir, I'm still surprised that he got into the France squad ahead of Disarzi. He's raw, isn't he? Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I, 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 I sort of feel like those two need to be with a Jose Fonte type. Do you know what I mean? But I feel like I feel like they need a senior partner alongside them, or one, <laughs> of, you know, one or the other. I'm talking of Jose Font. Um, Kimpembe could take some lessons on how to look absolutely fantastic when you're yeah. watching your team from the stands. The glasses were were a peach, weren't they? He, he yeah. looked resplendent in the in the <laughs> box seat. Yeah, he did. Lovely little zip up, uh, nicely coiffured hair. Oh, he looked. Yeah, he looked. He looked, looked a bit like a Bond villain. Love it. Love it. Big fan. <laughs> um, speaking of villains, Phil Marseille. Um, I do want to touch on them this week. The, the question I posed... Very brave our, of you. Yeah, yeah, indeed, yeah. Um, the question I posed in our group earlier on was, was simply like, is the bubble bursting under Tudor and, and has the, the Champions League become the focus? I, I kind of put it that way because they have had these, I think it's fair to say, unexpected home and away wins in sporting, which has put them in a position where they can now qualify from the group if they can get a win. Um, is it tonight or tomorrow they're playing? Uh, tomorrow at Frankfurt. Yes, okay. And Frankfurt have not been looking great. So if they were to win in Germany, they, they could be in a position where they either qualify or put themselves right on the verge of it. I just wonder, though, is that at the behest of their league form? Because 
they've kind of gone off a cliff oh. and they lost to I mean that 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 hit from De Costa they lost to Lons at home at the weekend it's the third time in a row that Lons have won in Marseille it was a little fortunate in that it took a huge deflection but had a strike over Paolo Lopez who had previously been good yeah I think three straight losses though yeah Marseille. that that game um it was pretty even on the shots, but I think when I was watching it, Canal actually put up the XG, which was 1.5 to Marseille versus 0.8 to Lens, because Marseille just had so many close calls. Mm. And um, quite apart from Fafana being excellent for Lens, I does anyone else feel like the style of Lance's kit makes them seem even more happy and joyful? It's the I red mean, and I yellow. Know, I know their their short sponsor is a certain <laughs> a, a certain burger emporium, but it's a happy kit. It is definitely you know, bright. They do look very bright and cheerful, and they do go for it. And I was watching, and uh, Pero da Costa was, who got the winning goal, as you say, to a massive deflection that looped over the keeper. And he was just like, yeah, well, if that had to happen, it had to happen. He's very mean, chill, wasn't he? He was very kind of, honest about what had happened mm. so I think Lens are really really impressive and potentially Marseille shouldn't feel that bad about it yeah yeah but I... they will <laughs> and I think that's what the uh, question is when you come to what do neutrals think whereas as opposed to what do the team's fans think? Yeah. Oh. Well, that that that's the thing, I think, with Marseille, because when you look at it, you know, naturally they want to qualify for the Champions League next stage, like 100%, why wouldn't you? And, and in isolation, losing to PSG and Lens in the last two games, it can happen in any season. Maybe losing to Ajaxio at home is a little bit way out there. To lose three on the bounce suddenly oh, I makes mean, that like was bit. embarrassing. Yeah. And I just I think the way I look at it, my concern, if I was a Marseille follower, is that they are kind of one of those clubs, aren't they, that that play that you, you've kind of got that cartoon bomb that's sort of just sat underneath them and nobody's lit the fuse yet. But when somebody lights the fuse, you know, it's all going to go off. And I sort of just <laughs> feel like if they don't get the result in Frankfurt tomorrow, for example, and they don't qualify for the Champions League, and meanwhile Which their league they form goes could off the cliff. Well, not because... well. That's that's the thing, isn't it? And it's like, and that squad is not. It's a deep enough squad, but I don't feel it's a deep enough squad in terms of the quality it has. There's not a lot of quality there. There's a lot of players that in that Marseille team that that are very, very decent. Um, but then when you are relying on the likes of Saikalas and actually went off injured again, um, you know Alexis Sanchez who is 33. Um, Cheng is under, it blows hot and cold. Jerson, you could probably say the same. Paya is, is not who getting looking at all. Who's your 
old player with the hair? Uh, oh, Nuno Tavares. Oh, or do you mean no, Gunduzi? The hair, Gunduzi. yeah, he was. Yeah. And and his face was a picture when that Gunta Costa goal went in, they cut to the bench and, you know, if, if looks could kill, I think Gunduzi's uh, face said it all. But I, I just sort of, I don't know with Marseille. And, and the next fixtures after, I mean, Frankfurt, as we said, tomorrow, they then go away to Strasbourg, who are desperate for points right now. That's never an easy away game. They then play home to Spurs. I mean, that's an easy three points. Um, and then they host Leon before going away to Monaco before the World Cup season could potentially have unraveled. Um, let me ask you, Jezza, am I being harsh there or am I being close to where you're sort of thinking it could go as well? I think, I don't know about bubble bursting. I think that, that because of how... Closer Chido to the is. microphone, Jez. There he is. Sorry, because of how Tudor is and certainly because of the way he sort of laid his stall out at the start of the season. I think even more than usual, as you said, Marseille are kind of on a bit of a temperamental knife edge, if you like. So um, players like Payet, um, Gerson, Amavi, um, even Guendouzi at the very start of the season, um, Dieng, obviously, you know, he, he put a few players' backs up or, or certainly made it very clear who was boss. That's fine when the results are going well, um, but it means that it probably won't take that much for some kind of mutiny or, you know, losing the changing room to happen, um, let alone losing the fans who obviously were booing him before the season had even started. So they did start the season very well. They stayed sort of level pegging with PSG for a lot of it. Um, I think... Not just distracted because of their positive results in Champions League, but also you know, that matches every three days is, is and at that very high level, I think, is is not easy to adapt to. So I think that's been a factor. And as you said, like the last two matches, okay, losing narrowly to PSG, there's no shame in that. And against Lens, they were sort of a little bit unlucky in that the goal was a big deflection. And and yeah, they, they had good chances, but Samba had a really good match in goal. Um, so these kind of things happen. It's more the Ajaxio match that was a, obviously a big blip. And as you said, should they lose to or get poor results against Strasbourg or Lyon, who are obviously, you know, that's become a real grudge match. Then, then, then I think that, you know, real grumbling will start. But um, I don't know. I mean, you look at their goals for and goals against goals against nine is very very good but it's not very exciting for the for the Marseille fans so again if if you're getting lots of narrow one nil wins great but if they're sort of you're losing three matches in a row by the odds goal then suddenly it doesn't look so great and 20 goals for is is you know the lowest in the top eight um which again is not great for fans who are used to being entertained or want to be entertained. So I feel like, as I said, you know, carry on getting these one nil wins and, and decent champions league results. None of it will matter. And a blind eye will be turned to Tudor's methods, but it doesn't take much for, for, for things to go wrong. And, and you, even off the pitch, there's issues like yesterday it was, you know, Gerson's dad said that, um, 
guess there's always issues to look elsewhere and and you know people are debating today whether marseille should basically tell him to fuck off then or um <laughs> so yeah there's issues there that to an extent Tudor has created and i think he's probably yet another of those managers who maybe thrive or find the positive in creating that tension but as we've always said of, of previous managers maybe of Stefan certainly of, of Mourinho even though it's obviously not not relevant to French football um, it's a dangerous game because um, while you're getting the results it works you can justify it but then when you're not getting the results everyone will very very quickly turn it against you mm, yeah that, that's the thing isn't it those sort of you know especially a club like Marseille and the fans that they have it's very easy to to upset them I think it's fair to say um, and that's what happens when you're at a big club and you've been successful and suddenly you you may not be so so it'd be interesting to see that Strasbourg game is definitely interesting to me at the weekend I just I'm just not sure they've got decent enough goal scorers in the team which I think might be yeah. their undoing um yeah. you know I, I just don't understand what the issue is was with Milik but I think mm. he's a proven goal scorer Dieng was very hit and miss but didn't know where the goal was and you know Suarez fine but I don't don't think he's gonna score you that many goals was he injured at the weekend because he didn't they didn't he didn't come on did he I don't know if he was injured I presume he was um because I thought he was a strange strange player to not pick given Sanchez is 33 now I think playing two games in a week for him seemed like a bit of an ask but um, I'm just checking now, actually. Uh, no, he was on the bench. Interesting. Okay. Mm. Yeah, that's a strange one to me because he does offer you one thing that that uh, Marseille probably would have needed in that game is that, that little bit of ability to run in behind late in the game. But interesting decision that. They did seem to be shooting from distance. Yeah. Constantly. And just missing. Mm. And yeah. that's one if you can... As indeed, slightly didn't. closer in. Yeah, even I mean, even Lons. Uh, you mentioned Fafana; he was having a few pop shots. I thought he, he probably. He, I think there's one in particular he'll look back on and think, "Oh, I probably should have put that away." So, yeah, there was quite a lot of long range shooting going on in in that in that particular game. But um, that's what Marseille did against PSG as well. So. Yeah, yeah, that that's true. Actually, yeah, they were just shooting from distance, weren't they? The whole the whole game. So, yeah, interesting. Okay. Um, right, just going to run through a couple of other results from the weekend, and then um, I've got a couple of other questions and a few bits to run through with the uh, with my two colleagues. But before we do that, we'll fill you in. So, Ajaxio uh, mentioned them a minute ago. They lost at home to PSG by three goals to nil. Not a huge surprise there. Maybe it might be a slight surprise. It took PSG quite a while to everywhere. Say again. Did you see the number of pitch invasions? Yeah, this and, yeah. Um the uh I think it was the Ajaccio uh manager who was screaming at the referee, do we not have security? Oh yeah, yeah. we do. They're all watching the it's game. one of those grounds, it isn't was it? That... Slightly awkward. Um, mm. but um Mbappe with two goals and a wonderful. That messy goal messy. was oh, that was sensational. The football, the finish, the dummy. When he, it was a dummy that he probably didn't even need to do. He just went there, 
Um, if any, anybody who's listening who remember this far back, I apologise if you don't, but uh, Carnu did it for Arsenal against um, uh, Deportivo La Coruña in the mid-90s. YouTube it, kids. Um, it's just, it reminds <laughs> me of that because it's it's just such an unnecessary dummy. And he did it against the, who was the uh, Cameroon goalkeeper who um, wore legging? Oh, that's going to bug me. But I think he played in Liga. There's the reason I mentioned that. But anyway. It was either Songo or Bella. Songo, that's it. Jacques Songo, that's the guy. Um, yeah, he did it against Songo and just left him on his ass and just rolled it into the net. And he didn't even need to do it. But Messi's footwork is just, I mean, you know, let's be honest, he's the best player in the world or has been. So, yeah, routine victory for PSG. A couple of good goals from Mbappe, who did raise a smile for those who are keeping tabs. Um, he's had a lovely nap this week, I'm sure. Moving on. Two goals from Bappe and one assist. Yeah. Two assists for Messi and one goal. Um, and no I don't know if it's a anti-Mbappe thing or a pro-Messi thing, but everything since then has been all about how amazing Messi is and very mm-hmm. little about Mbappe's contribution. Which I, I know, it's that. Harsh. Some interesting stuff came out in the week. If you... I'm on French football Twitter. It's kind of the other way, other way around. around. Yeah. Some, in, some interesting stuff came out about this Mbappe contract, wasn't there, this week that was sort of, I don't know if leaks the right word, but suggestions that some of this is, some of these um, issues, shall we say, that are coming out of his camp are not all based around him and his salary. It's actually a bit, goes a bit deeper about that, about promises that were broken to sponsors and his family and all sorts. It seems to be quite a lot. I think it's, I think it's fair to assume um, this story probably won't end up in a happy ending in Paris um, much beyond a year's time, but we shall see. We shall see. Um, we covered the Saturday games, obviously the win for Lyon in Montpellier and the win for Lens in Marseille. So then on the Sunday, we saw in-form Ren continue their form and very much out-of-form Anger continue theirs. I mean, we were... took a 93rd minute winner for Ren though from... Yeah, love Romeo. So not that comfortable no that it was one of those games where they they were they were pretty much the dominant side and guru's goal was was a peach lovely build-up play ran do they really are creating some lovely triangles they absolutely side danger apart for the for that opening goal um but yeah so yeah, again so bloody lucky right <laughs> oh come on it was a good goal um no yeah, i mean enter the match the, yeah the penalty it was just a really rash challenge wasn't it in the last minute it was almost like panic stations and i forget who it was lunged in and, and took the uh took the man out and and that was that maya stepped up and rattled the penalty home i think it's his first goal of the season actually for the croatian but good win for ren and problems continue for Angers. um problems i noticed ex ren player adrian Unu passing up a relatively decent chance to head goalwards and head it back across to no one to nobody yeah. yeah i'd forgotten he was there i must admit till i saw the the highlights of this game I was like, <laughs> oh yeah he is still there isn't he bless him um but yeah problems lifted slightly for for brest in the sense that they got a 3-1 win away at clermont uh, de castillo from the penalty spot honor out of course and led doran with the third um alavina got one back for clermont wasn't enough good win that for brest also a good win for Ras against Osea, following Balogun yet again. I think that's seven and eleven for the Arsenal Loney, equalised by by Niang. Remember him? He's still playing. But uh, yeah. uh Niang, sorry. What did I say? Did I say? Um, just it was uh, something better. Like ah, okay. Niang. Niang. Like, Niang. Sounds like a yeah. 
Sounds like a cartoon character running. Fast car. Yeah. Hitting hitting a hedge on a roundabout. Yeah, there's your there's your mental image. That has actually happened. Wacky races. Um, it was a race to the finish, though, as Junior Itu um, got the uh, got the winner for rounds in the eighty seventh minute. Um, he's a, he's a rare breed Itu because he's um, I know a sort of a lot of Japanese players tend to be quite slight. He is he's a big lad. He is a big lad. I think he must be six foot. Um, but uh, yeah, he popped up at the back post to to uh, head home the winning goal for Raps. Uh, elsewhere, Toulouse and Strasbourg. 2-2 draw, light relief for Julian Stefan. His team came from two goals down. Uh, Rouault and Dejaguer with the goals for Toulouse before Motiba. I think it's his first goal in Liga, if I'm right in saying. And then uh, Kevin Gamero, he's still going as well, putting home after missing a penalty, but he put the rebound away. Uh, Nicolaisen was sent off in that incident for two bookables. So a point at least for Stefan's mem. Uh, Trois and Lorient drew two each. And Julian Laporte scored... If this was at the other end, it was a brilliant header. Unfortunately for him, it was into his own net. Um, but it was a terrific header. Um, <laughs> Equalised by Diara with one of the goals of the weekend, slaloming run from the uh, right-hand side, cutting across the box and finding the corner. Ronnie Lopez, remember him? He's also still going. He equalised, oh, sorry, put Twelve back in front before Kantan Bougards, uh, who's had quite a lot of injury trouble, but he got his uh, his game uh, his name back in the spotlight in this game with an 81st minute equaliser and Slaron sort of good form continues. Obviously, game would have preferred to have won, but we'll take the draw. And it was absolutely pissing it down. And Neeson has scored lots of goals. Was it his first goal this season? I'm sure. I think it's his first goal for Donkey's for Donkey's years. years. Yeah, I think <laughs> at one point been, he was scoring lots. Must have been the time scale because I, I must. I read it. I thought I'm sure he'd scored in Liga. I probably read it wrong. In fairness, it's my error. Um, speaking of errors, Nice and Nolt ended up one-one. Uh, Inacio Scanago put Nolt in front, and all was going well. It's against his former club, of course. But in the 94th minute, Nicola Pepe slammed home an equalising penalty, which caused a great degree of upset for Nolt. Um, in the incident, saw both Bamba. And more importantly, Alban Lafont um, talking his way into a yellow and then a red card after the final whistle, which means he will now miss key games for Nantes, which is not ideal. Um, I think it's fair to say the penalty was soft. Um, but yeah, Dante and uh, clashing with, I think it was Cast, oh, uh, Cast, is it? Oh, I always forget his name, the centre back. Castellano? Castelletto. Castelletto, thank you. Sounds like a shoe. Um, I thought it was really soft, I must admit. It was one of those like, you know, half uh, six of one, half a dozen of the other. But um, Pepe's penalty, it's actually listed here as 97 minutes. I thought it was 95, but it was very late. Let's put it that way. And um, yeah, 1-1 one, one draw in that particular game. And of course, we've covered Lille and Monaco on the Sunday night. Uh, Phil, let's go to you next. Um, yeah, I still had a Very quickly, week. Schmeichel booed by the news fans. Yeah, he was, back in, he was back in the goal, wasn't he? Yeah, I did, did, did read about and that. And Bulka cheered when they announced him on the bench. Yeah, I'm lucky for them. Um, yeah, Phil. Arsenal had a lovely week in Lyon, didn't they? In the uh, yes, well, we we have uh, maybe a trend over past seasons of however much the men fuck up Europe, the women are solid, and this week, uh, unfortunately, not. So, Owell lost at home five one to Arsenal. Uh, Melvin Mallard got the 
goal for Lyon, but it was a double for Ford, a double for Bathmead and Mamam with the other. And this was one of those situations where we've spoken about it, about the French women's team in the past. They'll shoot from anywhere just because. So shot 1914, but they lost 1-5. I mean, it's unfortunate. And then we moved on to PSG at home to Chelsea the next day. And Chelsea won one there with Millie Bright getting goal. That slightly more understandable given the amount of effort that Chelsea put in. But game one of the Women's Champions League is not looking good for the French teams. Meanwhile, we also had the World Cup 2023 draw this week. Uh, lovely to see Ian Wright on bull wrangling duties. Um, but France are in team uh, in Group F against Jamaica, Brazil, and the winner of the C playoff, which sees, bear with me, this is confusing. Chinese Taipei will play Paraguay. Papua New Guinea will play Panama. The winner of each of those will play each other to work out who goes into the fourth spot. I think we're pretty much saying their cannon fodder as are Jamaica. So France, nice Brazil are going to be, it, that's going to be the match that determines that. Uh, the playoffs happen in February. If anyone wants to watch Chinese Taipei, presumably getting hammered by Paraguay and Papua New Guinea, ditto by Panama. Lovely, uh, lovely trip, those away games for France, at least Brazil and Jamaica. Be nice. Nice little uh, not, nice little trip. That's, that's the World Cup. They're all going to be in New Zealand and Australia. Oh, it's, it's actually at the World Cup. Oh, my apologies. Yeah, Sorry. I'm that's the draw. Oh, I mean, I mean, there's worse places in the world to be than Australia. So, I mean, yeah. I am. I am wondering whether I can get work to give me uh, sabbatical. There you go. go to this. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see. Good stuff. And um, yeah, I mentioned that result for for Arsenal. Um, it's one of those that transcended uh, across the. Uh, obviously, it was in the women's game. It transit. It, it sort of transitioned into even people who didn't follow the women's team were tweeting about it. Um, I got across it. It was it was a monumental result. Yeah. That so um, definitely. So I, I'm guessing that is the worst result mm. Leon have ever had yeah certainly certainly up there with one of the worst for, for sure even without uh, Ada Hegdeberg I can never say that um, but yeah Ada Hegdeberg thank you there you go certain certain names just don't work for me one name um, that does work for me is Didier Deschamps and just just before we sort of wrap up the show I just wanted to ask you um, your thoughts on I, I know that you're 
already kind of folding the the tinfoil hat for the World Cup because I know it's it's one that you're very concerned about and get the reasons why. I would guess Rafael Varane leaving the pitch in tears didn't exactly help your thought process as he's clearly banjaxed his hamstring. Um, I just thought reading a few bits and bobs in, in, in the press this week and online, the, the trouble is we're three weeks from a World Cup. So it's not like, you know, you do your ACL or you, you know, you break a, or you put a shoulder, uh, break a shoulder blade or a collarbone or something and you're out for six months. You only really have to do a minor muscle strain and you're going to miss a World Cup at this point. I guess the question I've got for you at this stage is what sort of squad do you feel like France are going to put together? Pogba's back in light training. Is Deschamps going to be forced to pick players that are maybe half fit? Is he going to have to start taking chances essentially on players that he's not really going to have had a proper look at with this squad? Because they are going down like flies and it's starting to look like he might not be the last in terms of Varane. They have got a pretty deep squad, but only in certain positions. I think, you know, even if Varane was ruled out, I think, you know, for me, Saliba could come in and and do a very good job. Mm. Um, You know, Menor, I think, is on form the best France goalkeeper at the moment, but I totally understand why Loris is starting in front of him. So, and even Pogba, even if he was to come back in time, form-wise, sort of mentality-wise, last time he's had a run on the pitch-wise, he's not necessarily, he shouldn't necessarily be a first pick anyway. But, you know, Varane and Pogba is not just what they bring on the pitch, it's, it's the experience, it's the leadership um, that, that I think could be hugely missing. Um, would you, just quickly, would you bring them... Because I, I know this is like a bit old fashioned, but would you bring them anyway? I mean, because there's no rules that says you can't bring a cheerleader. It's like, would you? I, I'm re- it baffles me that teams don't do this more often. You know, bring that player who is in. Yeah, yeah, I've said that before. So I don't, I don't understand it. I don't. Mm. This isn't like, you know, I remember in 2010 when Henri sort of pretty much begged to to be there, and there was that sight of him sitting on the bench with a with a checkered blanket over him, looking like an old man, and and or Vieira, who I think you know wasn't fit, but I think it was in two thousand and eight they brought him anyway on the off chance, but within the squad. And now think, and now they can he can take twenty six players. Yeah, so it's not taking the same kind of place that it would. Previously, mm. I th- I think that ideally Deschamps would prefer not to take twenty six because I think he's mm. a little bit worried about the the issue of players sort of because you can still only name a certain number on the bench so I think he's worried about keeping everyone happy if some of them aren't even going to be named on team sheets. Mm. Um, but yeah, I don't, I can't. Varan, I think you know I'm reassured by the three weeks, and as you said, it's not a long layoff. Hopefully, it won't take him that long to be back at sort of full steam. So that one's all right. Pogba, I just can't see how he could be there in the squad, even mm. if he's sort of in theory back to fitness. But yeah, even if he's not named in the 26, I don't understand why they can't bring him anyway. Mm. Um, but it just adds to everything else that I think is going. I mean, aside from 
all the issues with the World Cup, both where it is and when it is, and the fact that in different ways a lot of teams are being affected in this way. It just feels like everything around the France squad at the moment is 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 not ideal. Mm. Um, and there's still some big decisions to be made as well. You know, Giroud has lost a bit of form in the last couple of weeks and a, a very bad time considering, I think, Deschamps is looking for an excuse not to pick him. Mm. Dembele is hitting form at the right time, but I still think that he's got nowhere near the maturity or discipline to play Deschamps' way. I think we mm. saw that in the last World Cup and nothing he's done since has made me change my mind. There was someone yesterday put out a tweet saying, who would your front three be for, for Deschamps in the first match of the World Cup? And practically everyone replied, Benzema, Mbappe, Dembele. Brilliant. Mm. But then you've got like, you're basically fielding two teams, aren't you? You've got a goalkeeper defence in midfield and then sort of two miles further up the pitch, you've got three strikers <laughs> who can buckle to help. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's amazing how stupid some people still are to me. Mm. Um, well, they don't watch. They don't watch what we do. I guess that's the that's the clear the that's yeah, facts, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, I'm just I'm very I'm pissed off in general about this World Cup, <laughs> and I'm very. Fit. I don't think France are going to do anything 2010 like, but I think no. they could do something 2002 like. And it's... I know a lot of people think 2002 is a great World Cup because there were surprises like Turkey and South Korea and all that mm. bullshit. I think it was a crap World Cup because of that, mm. because the best teams weren't coming weren't. to the fore. We didn't see the best teams at the end of the comp. I mean, okay, the final maybe, but we mm. didn't see the best teams near the end of the competition. And I think this one, there could be some weird surprises which might in theory be fun but actually I think it's going to ruin it as a proper football spectacle and a proper reflection of who the best teams are yeah yeah there's a very good if you haven't heard it I just on the world cup if you're interested about what's going on over there I think it was I want to say two weeks maybe three weeks ago um they had a guest on I believe it was football weekly it was either that or totally football. I think it was football weekly. They had a guy who's been working over there as a journalist for the past six, six to 12 months. And he was talking about the prices of things, how the alcohol laws are, um, what the policing is going to be like. It's really interesting. Oh, um, I think they've just uh, tortured a bunch of gay people. Oh, splendid. Well, that, 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 that'll, that'll uh, introduce it nicely for the head of the World Cup then. Um, mm-hmm. But it... it it was a really good it's about it's about 10 15 minutes at the end of a podcast it's well worth listening to and if you are a, a frenchman or woman or indeed if you're a follower of the french national team and you are going there or you're planning together or you're on the fence give it a listen because it does open your eyes to some of the things to expect and maybe some of the things you might want to consider doing or not doing um particularly if you like a beer uh it's not cheap over there and apparently also don't be gay and don't be gay uh, and, uh, and and definitely don't get on the wrong side of the law. So, um, yeah, but as regards the French team, it will be very interesting. And of course, we'll preview all that in about three weeks time. So there we go. Um, right. Um, we're going to wrap it up there then very, very quickly. I'm just going to run you through the fixtures upcoming uh, this coming week. So we've got Lens against Toulouse, which is the 28th of October. Uh, that's Friday night. PSG against Troyes on Saturday. Strasbourg, Marseille is the late game. That's definitely worth a watch if you've yep. got some free time. Uh, Osea Ajaxio is the 12 midday Sunday game, followed up by the 2 p.m. kickoffs of Monaco, Angers, 
Nott, Clermont, Brest against Reims, and Rennes against Montpellier. And on 4.05, the 4.05 kickoff is Lorient-Nice, which of course I shall be across, and Lyon-Lille is a treat for you on Sunday night. Can't promise you another 4.03, but it should well be worth a watch that one as well. Um, we'll be back to cover those games and more next week. Our French teams are in action in Europe as well, so we'll have all of those games, or at least if there's any sort of specific highlights to pick out of that, we will do so as PSG go in search of qualification tonight. And uh, as I say, we've got Marseille, Nantes, Rennes and Monaco in action as well throughout the week. So we'll be across those next and week. Nice. And Nice. Sorry, I do always forget Nice. Sorry, Nice. Right. That'll do us for this week then. Um, thank you very much, Jez, for your time. Thank you. Thank you very much, Phil, for your time as well. Thank you. As I say, we shall be back next week. Uh, not 100% sure if it'll be the Monday or the Tuesday, but we will be back one of the days. You know how it works around here, but uh, whatever you do, obviously stay safe. Keep warm and dry because it's bloody miserable out there. And above all else, enjoy your French football. We'll speak to you very soon.